Okay, guys, let's get started. I hate to break up all the fellowship, but we got to get rolling here. Uh, do what? I'm going to anyway. Remember, they can hear you on that thing right up right here. They can hear you. Oh well. <laughs> it's uh, it's good to have everybody here this morning. If you're watching us online, uh, you have found Central Church of Christ, uh, our Bible study on Sunday morning. And my name is Dan Spath. I'm one of the elders here, and we are extremely glad that you uh, that you've come our way. Whenever you're watching this, because this will come out live this morning. Right now, it's going live, uh, so they can see see what you can see on the screen. That's what they can see right here. So they can, they can, <laughs> so they, they, they can saw the back of your head. They can only see the back of your head, Gary, so that's all. So, anyway, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 2, if you want to be turning over there. Uh, got a couple of things I want to talk to you about beforehand. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Lee Lesh's mother is in the hospital. Uh, she fell Friday. They took her in yesterday, and she's having surgery this morning as we speak. Uh, she uh, she broke the bone and her hip about three inches from the ball and they're they're doing surgery on her so he said at 8 30 so they may be operating on her right now so i told him we would pray for pray for her this morning her name is dale i can't say her first name they call they her nickname is dale that's what everybody calls her so because the grandkids couldn't pronounce her name so that's that's uh, she's been here a few times uh she's right now she's in room 562 at citizens uh, and I, I don't know where she'll be after that. Uh, I'll, we'll we'll keep y'all posted and let y'all know. So, uh, and another thing is is that for those of you who don't know, uh, this is third Sunday. I'm not supposed to be here after this. I'm supposed to go to Fort Grand. And uh, today is the first that I will not have to do that anymore. Okay. Now, Mark, on the other hand, is not doing well this morning. In fact, he's on his way right now. He's probably watching this thing, and so I'm saying, hey, we're going to do a shout-out to him. But he said he was going to get over there so he could watch the class before he has to go in because their class starts at 10 o'clock. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, he's he's been going in the evenings for me for a while, but now he's going to take on the whole thing. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough gig. Let me tell you, it's a, it's it's hard it's hard to wrap your mind around the idea of of going in the morning, preaching at eleven, you get through at noon, you got to come home, you've got to drive thirty miles home, and then you have to turn right around at, at three o'clock and go right back because everything starts at four, and, and that's if you've not done it, it's really tough to do. It's, it it is an exhausting day, let me tell you, because you have to wipe one sermon out and start all over, and you got about two hours to make sure you've got this other one wrapped in your head. And this is old school church, okay? This is not, this is old school church, all right? You better have your ducks in a row and your eyes and teeth out of there. They're going to, they're going to clock you, man, if you don't. So, uh, but anyway, he's, uh, we're going to pray for him this morning. So just be praying for him this morning and, and every third Sunday. Uh, I'll remind you for a while uh, that he's doing that uh, because it's easy to forget. It's really nice. I didn't have to get up this morning. I have sermons and classes and everything rolling around in my head this morning. So it's really, really fun for me. So 
Let's pray and we'll get started, okay? Okay. This is uh, Susan's mother. Uh, and uh, she comes, she sits right here. Uh, Bruce brings her. Usually when she comes, she hasn't been here in a while. She's not been doing well. Uh, she was doing really well, and then she's not doing well, and so now she's in the hospital. Is that where, where she's at? Where is she at? I'm sure they are. I'm not talking. Okay. About them, all right. That's usually where they. Okay. Are. All right. Well, we sure pray for her. All right. Let's pray, guys. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here and, and to gather together as a family. Uh, we're we're in awe of you, Father, and of, of uh, the the glory and the power that you have. We uh, we we want to honor you this morning. We want what we do to be a to, to glorify and honor you we pray that that's exactly what will happen father we're so grateful for the opportunity to study we pray your blessings upon us this morning as we study this text father help us to uh, uh to put aside biases and put aside uh, preconceptions and just look at the text for what it says and we thank you father for the opportunity to do that this morning father we're, we ask your blessings upon this this church as we move forward as we strive to reach out to a lot the lost and dying and take the gospel to them we pray that you help us uh, uh, numerically. We help, pray that you help us financially. We pray that you help us with a spiritual mindset to do that in the way that we need to do it, Father. We thank you for the opportunity. There's a lot of studies going on here right now, and I pray that you be with each one of them. You know who they are, and you know who's studying with who, and I just pray, Father, that those, that those will go well. Uh, Father, we pray for, for Lee's mom, Dale. We pray that you be with our doctors this morning as, they, as they're working on her, maybe as we speak. And I pray, Father, your, your hand would be on her. And that whatever happens, uh, that it will that it will cause a softening of her heart. We pray your blessings upon her as as we do that, as as we get, as we have interaction. Some of us have interaction with her, and we pray, Father, that you bless us as we do that. Father, we pray for for Janice this morning as well, who's uh, is in a hospital and has uh, has some pr health problems. We pray for her as well. Father, we don't know a lot of details about what's going on with her, but but we know that you know, and we we're thankful for that, and we pray that you bless her encourage her, be with her family, and help her, Father, to uh, to recover, if it's your will. And we ask that, uh, Father, for her. And Father, we pray for Mark. We pray for Mark and Ann as, they, uh, as they're traveling right now to, to, to go to, to Fortran. We pray you bless him uh, with words to say at the right time. We pray that you, that you give him the strength and the courage that he's going to need to do what needs to be done there and to say what needs to be said. And we th I thank you for him and for his willingness to serve in this capacity. And thank you for that. Bless him. And bless her, Father, as she supports him, Father. He cannot do what he does if she doesn't support him. And I pray for her as well. Father, thank you for loving us, and thank you for this class this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Last week we studied about uh, the ransom that Jesus was willing to pay for us. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot pay for your salvation. There's nothing you can do to get it. Okay? You have to have Jesus to do what he does so that you can have any possibility of a relationship with God. That's that's just a given. And that's what he says in the first part of chapter 2. And we talked about that, the ransom, the payment that was made for you and for me so that I could have a relationship with him and so that you could have a relationship with him. And, uh, and, and I said, because of that, that should spark in us a passion and a truth in our worship. We should be, we should be, overjoyed with the opportunity to worship this morning not because worship is a is a many faceted term in the text 
There's a lot of words that mean worship. Some of them mean one thing, some of them mean another. But in this text, he's talking about the worship we do today together. That's what he's talking about. And that worship should come from deep within us. Paul, I mean, David said, my praise and my worship bubble forth out of me. It pours out of me, is what David said. And remember, David was a flawed individual. He was not a good father. He was a lousy husband, and he was a killer. But God said he's a man after my own heart. Because when he was confronted with his sin, he repented. When he confronted with his sin, he turned back to God every time. And God and God loved him and said, I love him. You know, and he and he's gonna bring a savior after that seed line of David. You know, and so when we look at Jesus and we know that Jesus came to give us hope, Jesus came to give us life, Jesus came to give us what we could not get on our own. And so for that reason, he says in the last in the last part of this, from verse eight on, he said. So this is what should do. Men should lift their holy hands. That means come to him with reverence and with awe. Come to him with with a with a uh, a lifestyle that is that is that he is allowing him God to fix in our lives, allowing us to be the kind of holiness and the kind of uh, uh, repentance and forgiveness that we should have as men in our lives. But now he's going to talk about women. Okay, this is a hotly debated subject in our culture today. Okay, the text like this, and what I'm going to ask you to do is leave the text in the text. Okay, don't try to make it what it's not. Don't try to make it say something it doesn't say. You know, we're going to look at it, and there's a verse here that's a very difficult verse to understand. Okay, and uh, and you may not like some of the things that we're going to talk about. You may have a different perception. In the world today, this thing is debated over and over and over and over. Churches have succumbed. To, uh, to ideological, ideological pressures. They come to doctrinal pressures that are not doctrinal at all, they're unbiblical, okay? And so when, when people do this, it's because they have either strayed away from the text or they've tried to twist the text to make it say what it does not say, or they've just decided that the text is no longer relevant. That's the big one, okay? That no, today, you know, in many churches today, the idea that uh, of women's role and what that role is, and it needs to it needs to coincide with culture today. Not what the book says. Not what it says at all. And like I said, you may not like it. You may have a different perspective. All I'm going to ask you to do is leave the text in the text. Leave it where it's at, and just just try to analyze it from what it says. Okay. And you know when you look at when you look at all these these ideologies, they have. They have got to reinterpret Scripture to make it say what it. You know, we had we had this issue of one a, a while back, years back in our eldership. You know that that there was part of the eldership that believed in this, part of this that believed this, and so I said, okay, let's study. We're going to study. Then we down. We studied. We studied it for a long time. For six weeks, we studied. And at the end of that, Dan stood up and said, "You guys haven't convinced me of anything, except that I still believe what I believe." You know, and that and that was the premise we held to, because that was because when you look at the text and try to line it up with cultural cultural ideology, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, because what you had to do in culture is to reinterpret, re re reinvestigate. I mean, reinvigorate your own ideology with okay, what am I going to do with this text? I have to make it mean what it doesn't say. I have to do something, or you know what I do? What most people do today, it's no longer relevant. You understand what that means? It's no longer relevant. If it doesn't fit my narrative, 
If it doesn't fit my my ideology, my ideology, if it doesn't fit my doctrinal stance, then I'm not going to believe. Then it, it must there must be something wrong with the text. That's where they get to. There must be something wrong with the text. Yeah, Larry. But you know, when you take that that ideology, that it's no longer relevant today because things have changed so much. Mm -hmm. Man, you can take that in a thousand different directions. Well, I mean, why don't we have Coca Cola and Pete's on the Lord's Supper? Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. Absolutely. If it's culturally today, there are people that do that, <laughs> and that's what I'm getting at. You can take it anywhere. And and you know, and when we see it in our culture today, the 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 directions that our culture has gone all over the place. I mean, it has it's gone all over the place. And and if, when you try to line some of that stuff up with scripture, it doesn't work. You can't find it. You can't find you can't find a place where it lines up with scripture. You have, so you have to make it say what it doesn't say. And you have to say, okay, well, I believe this because I think it's just the right. You know, and this thing started a long time ago, but but for me in my culture, it started back in the 1960s and 70s. You had a big push. I mean, I remember, you know, women protesting and marching, and they wanted equality, and, and which is fine. Okay, that's fine. They were burning bras, and, and they, it was all kind of, I mean, it was a very, very difficult time. You know, man, I was of the anti-establishment culture back in the early 70s and late 60s. That's when, you know, we, I mean, that's where drugs culture came from. That's where a lot of the negativity came from. And we were going to do what we want to do because they were wrong, we were right. And that's the way it's been all along. And when you get start bringing that into the mindset of the church, then you can start to go in all kinds of places, okay? So we're going to look at this text. We're going to start in verse in verse 9, and we're going to read through the end of this chapter, okay, which is verse 15, all right? Now, when I get through here, all right, I've got some questions to ask you, all right? I'm not going to go to a whole lot of other places because I don't have time. We're going to go, we're going to look at this text. I've got a couple of places where we're in 1 Timothy chapter through, chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Okay. And we're going to start uh, in verse in verse 9. All right. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for, for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through their childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Okay? It's a big mouthful, isn't it? Especially if you don't have, a, don't have this same ideology when it comes to your perspective of text. All right? Now... I want to look at the first at the very first verse here. All right. Now remember, this letter is not written to you per se. It's written to the church at Ephesus. He says basically the same thing in the letter he writes to Corinth. Why do you think he writes this to these two churches? Why do you think he writes this? Because they started more worldly. Those people that came in. Because the people that came into that environment, into the, that were being converted, were people from paganism. That's the biggest majority of them from both places. And remember, Timothy has been left in Ephesus, and Ephesus is a is a uh, is a cesspool, pretty much. It's a it's horrendous. They they ran Paul out and tried to kill him. And then Paul, you know, I guess he said, "I'll do this kid a favor. I'll leave him in Ephesus. That'll be good for him." <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't know the logic, but anyway, that, so he leaves him there, 
And so now he's writing him a letter, not just one, he writes him two letters to say, okay, here's what you need to do, Timothy. This is what, this is what you need to teach. I'm thinking Timothy at some point probably said, Paul, it'd be nice if you'd come back over here and teach this yourself. <laughs> but that's not what happened. So, but, it, you know, think about what it must have been like, because in that culture, what women would do in that culture, coming from that pagan ideology, is they would adorn themselves to make people notice them. Okay? They would, in, they would embrace gold and, and things in their hair and dress with fine clothes to bring attention to themselves. And Paul says, nah, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay, he said, he said, look at verse 9 again. He said, I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyle, gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for, God, for women who profess to worship God. Tell me, what is that? What do you, when you look at that, what does that mean to you in your culture today? What does that mean to you? What do you think? How do you, how do you connect that text to the, our, your culture today from a, from a woman's perspective? What do you do? So guys, this is not for you. I want women to say something. I don't want you to step in it, you know, and up to your neck first step. All right. So what do you think that means? Because I'm going to step in it. I'm going to. From a man's perspective, I won't ask you to do that. They can be mad at me. They don't have to be mad at you. So, ladies, what do you say? What do you think? Come on. Well, yes. I'll, I'll do it. Right. <laughs> I'll do it. My version says <laughs> adorn themselves in respectable apparel. Okay. So, to me, that means you dress with what is the norm and it doesn't call undue attention to yourself. Okay. Okay. I think this is a hard issue, like anything else. Yes. If you're doing it for attention, mm -hmm. right. that's the wrong motive. Yeah. That's right. now, now remember, guys, he has dealt with us on numerous occasions, us men. Mm -hmm. This is just a text we've gotten to that's dealing with women's issue. All right, dealing with what, what, what he expects in a worship, in a in a in a uh, covenant relationship with God, because we have that in a relationship. He said, This is how I want you to act. This is what I want you to do. We've looked at Ephesians chapter five before, where it says women should be in submission to their husband. We've talked about that. What he's talking about here is, is to arrange yourself under the oversight of God. When he said in full submission, not to me, not to another man, but really in chapter three, he's gonna say, now you're gonna to have to arrange yourself, all of you, under the leadership of the church. That's what he's gonna talk about in chapter three, okay? But here he's talking about women. So, you know, what, is it, what does it mean? You know, Barbara said, you know, to dress modestly, to dress appropriately, all right? Anybody else? What do you think? Yes, ma'am. Well, you don't wear skin-tight jeans or even though the fashion may be that. That's right. Or the jeggings that mm -hmm. show everything mm -hmm. in a low-cut so. Okay. So you dress appropriately, yeah. right? For, like Linda said, for a woman who is professing to be a godly woman. That's what he says, right? Anybody else? Anybody else got an idea? Come on. Just two of you. I know y'all are thinking, y'all are sitting there and the things, your wheels are just so current, man. You know? You know? And you say, should I say this? Hey, I have people all the time after class that I wish I, I said, I had this. Thing. I said, why do you say it? Why do you say it? Just say it. Come on. Yes, ma'am. I can remember something my mother said to me okay. when I was a teenager. That a woman, when she, she dresses, she should dress with her clothes maybe tight enough to show she's a woman but loose enough to show she's a lady yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> but there's another view if someone say someone is new to the church 
and has never been to a church before, they may come in in clothing that you might deem not appropriate, mm -hmm. but they're still learning. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so that they, it may take them a while to yeah. to to come that's to a, that. Judy, that's an excellent point. Yeah, because yeah. because sometimes we wear our judgment on our sleeve and don't even know what we're talking about. They have no clue. Somebody else had their hand up. Yes, okay. uh -huh. Well, it's it's kind of hard because like the culture, yeah. you know, at that time, women had to wear yeah. scarves and cover their mm -hmm. bodies and all. But now things have changed and us women, we want to feel pretty. Sure. We want to feel mm -hmm. that, you know, we, we're looking nice. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's more forms mm -hmm. out there, but then yet you still need to dress like they say, comfortable and, yeah. and nice, and I, and it's not so much for everybody to see; it's to make you feel. Yeah. Okay. I think it, I think there has to be a limit. I think there has to be a, 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 a borderline where you go to and where you don't go to, mm -hmm. from a man's perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, understand something, guys. We're men. Do I need to say any more to you? <laughs> we're men. We don't think like y'all do. We don't. We see things from a completely different perspective than y'all do. You know, God made us different. He wired us different, man. We we see things from a different perspective, and and you know, there's been things that I that I've seen women at this place where that I can't be in the same room with them. I can't be around them because of 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 my perception, not my perception, but how I am wired. And and I've talked to lots of guys. Now I don't I don't see that a lot anymore, but it used to be that way. I used to have to and not. I'd have to, it was really difficult sometimes when I was teaching to make sure that I was, I, I kept my focus where I needed to be. And that's what happens to us guys, ladies. You know, that's why he's saying it. He said, look at, he said, you need to adorn yourself with the deeds that God expects you to have. Yes, ma'am. That's why we all have to have God in our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there is a bunch of little girls out there that dress that and shouldn't, but that doesn't give the right of the boy or the man no. to choose absolutely what they not. want to do. Absolutely not. You're absolutely right. If we have God in our lives, and that's what this text is talking about, if God is a preeminent being in your life, you are going to look at your perspective from you, from that perspective, okay? What do I need to do and do things according to what God would require of you? Okay, from this text. If you look at, I want you to turn just a minute to 1 Peter chapter 3. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Now this is not talking about women per se, it's talking about wives. But it has to, it brings the same context. We've studied this, we studied 1 Peter, but I wanted to bring it back up. Look at what it says. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Look at what it says. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of, your, of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty, now listen to this, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Okay, I read all of that just to read that part. This is of great worth in God's sight. He's looking for the inner beauty. He's looking for the deeds done. He's not looking at the outward adornment. And he said, but this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. All right, now turn back over to first Peter. 
I just wanted to read that book that this is what God is looking for from his from his daughters think about it guys guys that I have not had the privilege or the uh, I'll call it privilege of having a daughter is there another word you can have Hannah for a while <laughs> I'll say again I've not had the privilege of having a daughter but for those of you who have you know how would how would you want your daughter to 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 approach her spirituality from this perspective would you have a, a standard yes sir got one okay there we go. so i think it's so funny how we always contextualize this script as it, it's oh it's of the culture of then it's such an old thing then and it's like it's never been more relevant absolutely it's yeah. like i want my daughter to dress modestly mm -hmm. okay i don't want i mean if she wants to dress like the world look around look around see what the world dresses like mm -hmm. You know, that's not what a good Christian woman needs to dress like. Yeah. Um, I want her to behave like a Christian woman, was, which is not like the world. Yeah. You know, you can look around for examples of what the world's women yeah. act like. Yeah. It's, it's not what it's a Christian be woman different. acts like. It's got to be different. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, and, I, and I think how difficult it must be in our culture today because they're being bombarded with this stuff from outside, you know, and then trying to, trying to, 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 you know, to navigate them into a right way of thinking. It's difficult. That's why it's so important for all of us in here that we are the examples for that young lady yeah. or we're the examples for those young men. You know, we have a young man this morning that's going to be up in front of you and do a scripture reading first time he's ever done it. And I got the text yesterday. He's going to do it. And I went, I, I texted Kevin back. I said, you sure? <laughs> he said, I've asked him three times. I said, okay. I said, I've got this. We got it. We'll do it. But you know, he needs that. They need these young people need that ex example from us so that, that they can say, okay, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to live my life. Okay. Let me, let's move on. I got to get this next text. Can, can I say one yes. thing? Uh -huh. And this is what makes the scripture that says the older women should teach the younger women. Yes. Amen. So yeah. important. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's look at this text. All right, we're going to start in verse 11. A woman, no, I mean in verse, uh, in verse uh, 13. For Adam was formed first and then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But woman, women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Look at this, this thing here. The subordinate role of women that you see find evidence in the text, y'all understand what that means, was not because of the fall. All right, you got this? It was not because of the fall. God instituted creation and made this a fact before the fall. The subordinate role of women from God's perspective was, he said, I'm going to find a help me for Adam because he was alone. He was in the garden naming all the animals and there was no one for him so he called him to fall into a deep sleep and he took a rib out of his side and made a help meet for him and her name was eve okay that's what he's saying here you know we get this twisted up sometime and said well the, the you know women in subjection and subordinate because she fell and that's not what he's saying he said adam was formed first and then he and eve is the one that was deceived you know adam did sin and what he does is brings the sin into the world that's what he does. He brings sin into the world. 
It's talked about numerous times in other places. The epistles talk about that Adam was the first one. He's the one that sinned. And Jesus is going to come back and bring the and right that ship. Okay? But Eve was the one that was deceived by Satan. If you want to go back there, we'll go back and look at it and see what it says. Adam wasn't the one deceived. He fell into the trap that, that a lot of people fall into. I'm going to listen to what somebody else says instead of what I know God says. And that's a that's a phenomenon today. You know, you're right. It's not called. I mean, that's phenomenon today. We're doing exactly the same thing. We're falling into the trap of listening to what someone else says instead of what I know God said. Did God tell him very specifically in that text? Did He tell him this is what you cannot do? Yeah. He said. He said everything in the garden is fine except for one tree. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. And guys, it wasn't an apple tree. <laughs> okay. Maybe it was, but it doesn't say that. It was not an apple tree. Every picture you see is holding an apple. And she's reaching this apple out. It says it was a fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. He said, don't even touch it. And Satan comes along and doesn't deceive Adam. He deceives Eve. And that's what he's talking about here. And, he's, and then what does Adam do? Listens to her. And he falls. And because he falls, he brings sin into the world. All right, we all got it. Everybody good with this so far? Good with it? Anybody want to? Anybody want to chime in here? Like, I, and what's the lie? What's the lie? Mm -hmm. Did God really say? Yeah. What was the lie? Yeah, that's, that's what. What was the lie? Yeah. Did God what does really Satan say? say? Oh no 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 no! God said God said you can't eat the fruit of that tree. The day you eat that fruit, you will die. Yeah. And you'll die. Okay, you're gonna die. The day you eat that fruit, you'll die. And Satan comes along and says, Oh no no. No, no, that's not really what God meant. God doesn't, just doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you because it's the knowledge of good and evil. It was a tree. And he said, God doesn't want you to be like him. So he said, you will surely not die. Change is one word. You surely will not die. And Eve saw that food it looked good. It was good to eat. So she took it and ate it. Big mistake. She listened to Satan and she fell. And then she gives it to, to Adam, and his mistake was he listened to her. Okay? And something's going on with him that he decides not to listen to God. And he falls and brings sin into the world. Oh, Go ahead. I don't know if y'all are aware of what's going on right now um, in the Southern Baptist Convention. But right now, they're debating this right now. I know. And, and they're falling apart because of it. I know. So I know. if it's not relevant today, I don't. Yeah, okay. they, they, they are. Yeah. They are uh, analyzing, and what they're doing is they're taking text, beating the text up, and and making the text irrelevant yeah. because they're not. They're not late. That's why I said let's leave the text where it is. What does it say? It's in a context of worship to God because of what Jesus did. What should your be your response? I'm gonna I'm gonna honor and glorify God from a female perspective with everything I have, with everything He gives me to do to use. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to be the kind of holy woman I need to be. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. I'm going to give, I'm not going to be like Eve. I'm not going to listen to Satan. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to encourage my, that's why when I prayed, I prayed for Anne this morning. Okay. Because she needs to be an encouragement. I could not have done what I did at Fort if it wasn't for her. If she wasn't encouraged, if she beat me up every time I went, said, well, you really need to be with your family. How long do you think I'd have stayed at Fort Trent? I was there for 20-something years. I went every third Sunday for 20-something years. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you, you don't do that unless you have support around you. 
And for, for these godly women, for you godly women, you have to be a support. If you don't have a husband, then you support the people around you. You become the example to them that you need to be. You know, it's not, and then he said, he said, here he said, and this, and this verse, let me tell you something, guys. I looked at 14 commentaries, and ain't none of them agreed on this text. None of them. They all of them all over the chart with this text. And it's a very difficult thing to understand. And he said, and he says, uh, uh, but women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Let me tell you what it doesn't say, okay? Because if it does say this, then it negates 90% of, no, it, it negates 100% of what God said about how salvation comes. How did he say salvation comes? Through belief in Christ, through grace, and through faith, right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, and we're saved by grace through faith. Faith in who? Faith in Christ. Not faith in you, not faith in me, faith in Christ. That's where it comes from. The, the better translation of this word in the Greek, because it's not used that many times, would be, uh, and I wrote it down here, would be, well, will be preserved. Okay? Not saved, but will be preserved. Some of your texts may have that. Is that what yours has? Yeah. So it's that's a better translation of the text. Saved is not as good a translation because there's other words for saved that are in other places. But so, you know, when I wrote this, I, the, the first thing I, I wrote down here, you see, there's a, yep. What does verse not say? It doesn't say that you are saved because you have children. No, but mm -hmm. you're saved because through childbearing, Christ came. Absolutely. So that Absolutely. All of Absolutely. And that's and that's what it means, Linda. The, you know, it doesn't say it does not say that. It doesn't say that you can gain salvation because God is not going to alienate women who haven't had children or people who die before they can have children. Not going to do that. That's not what this text says. It doesn't say that. And I and I've heard guys stand in a pulpit and teach that well, women will say because they can bear children. What? It's not what it says. Leave it in the context. What does it say in the context? What does he say? What happened because of what Eve did? The stigma came. Stigma came to women. All right? It, it's where it came. It, it's that, that stigma. And I, and I, the stigma being the initial instrument who led the race into sin, women may be preserved or freed from the stigma by raising a generation of holy children. Okay? He's not talking about individuals. He's talking about a, the women as a group. Women as a group are going to be saved. Be, they're going to be preserved because God has made it possible through Jesus for them to be the to be the ambassadors for children and ambassadors for those around us that that men can't be. Well, I can't do this, God. I can't do this. I can be a teacher. I can be a lot of things, but I, I can't do this. I don't need to do this because it's not my it's not my uh, genetics. Not who I am. Go ahead, Larry. I just was going to say that my footnote down there says restored. Yeah. They were restored. Yeah, women as a whole were restored to a place of preeminence because of because of, of what of what Jesus does. That's what it says in the first part of chapter two. He paid a ransom, and women were restored because of that. Because now they can be they can be the the the, the in the place where God expected them and needed them to be to begin with. All right. Now we got all that. Is that is that good? But if there's a, one of them is that this is because of Jesus came. I think that's part of it. I think, but it, but it also it, it 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 relieves the stigma of what Eve became, all right, and what what stigmatized women as a whole, from God's perspective. And God said, "Done, I done, done away with it. I'm going to do away with it through Jesus." And He did it right away with Eve. Bless you. Okay, right. He did it right away with Eve. Okay, yo, right away she starts having children. Now her punishment is not that she's going to have children, right? What's her punishment? Pain and childbirth. 
I want to know how many children she had before the fall. Doesn't tell us. Doesn't say. But I wonder if she had any children. Did she know that what childbearing without pain was? I, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't tell me. I don't know. I don't know. All right. I just wonder, you know, if, if she if she realized because if you don't realize what's been taken away from you, then it really doesn't mean anything to you. But if you know what it means to have children and, and it and it and you know, just because it doesn't tell us doesn't mean it didn't happen. It says in John that we have a lot of things that Jesus did that he did that we don't have record of. In fact, John says, I think the whole world can contain the books of everything that he said that, that he did. So, you know, I'm just saying, you know, the punishment was pain in childbirth. And let me tell you something, I haven't gone through it. And let me tell you, I've, I've seen it. I know that's not the same, but I've seen it. And boy, I don't want no part of it. I ain't near strong enough to be any part of that nonsense. I mean, I watched my wife do that, go through the first one, twenty something hours, you know, screaming. And I'm going, you know what? This isn't going to be any fun at all. Yeah. <laughs> After the first hour, it wasn't any fun, you know. And and it went on and on and on. And I'm going, this is going to kill her because she screamed like it was killing her. But we were in a little bitty hospital right over here at Hoff Clinic, and you could hear her all over the... Everybody in that hospital knew she was having a baby. Everybody. It wasn't a secret because it was that... It, I mean, and I felt so bad for her, but I never thought, man, I sure like to take her place. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was not an option. I didn't say it's God, glad it's her, not me, but, but you know, I'm, I'm just thinking, yeah. man, you know, how difficult this is. And, you know, she's never, and that, what, what amazed me is, is we came out of this. We didn't have another one. Kevin did, but after Kevin, she said, we didn't have another one. What? Are you, do you not remember what you just went through? It's amazing how they can forget. It's, it it kind of goes away. You know, but anyway, I got some questions here. Oh, man. All right. What do you feel about Paul's teaching about women in this passage? What do you feel about it? I think you've, I think you've, ex, ex, you know, you've given it to me pretty much. What do you feel about this passage? To what Paul said. You have any problems with it? You know, do we need to revisit some more? Yeah, Robert. Um, I think it's important to note that um, uh, he wasn't teaching from a uh, personal standpoint. Uh, women specifically seem to be. Uh, preyed upon by false teachers in this area at that time. I think that's a good point. I think, remember, there was a lot of false teachers in that day, and their culture was that women were, were uh, elevated because of wealth and status and beauty, and so they brought that into the church. And I think that's a, that's a, that's amazing. I didn't even think of that, but you're right. The false teachers that were around were were probably probably causing Timothy a lot of issues here. And if you look at Corinth, Paul had to deal with it in Corinth because you go back to Corinth, the, the letters to Corinth. I mean, it's a, it says the same thing. You know, there, there's the same stuff is being said. And you know, so I think that's that's true. I mean, but how how do you, how, do you have any any perceptions, anything that, that about this text about what Paul's teaching here? I think personally. The more I studied it, the more I read it, I think, oh, oh, God, I wish that the world as a whole would really buy into what the text said. You know, this doesn't demean women at all. In fact, I, I, I esteem you higher than I did before. Because now I know there are things that I cannot do, that I don't have the makeup to do, that God's church absolutely has to have to make it, to balance it and make it, make it whole and make it where it works. Because without them, without women, it doesn't work, guys. It just doesn't. 
It, we need that that whole environment. So we need to esteem women in our in our in our culture and elevate them because in many instances they're just as important or maybe more important in the things they do than we are. They can do things that we cannot do, and that God put them here and put females here and women here and wives and and whatever put them here to do those things that that need to be done that we can't do. And I think it's I think it's amazing. And for for you ladies that have had the privilege of raising godly children, I applaud you. I applaud you, because I know that my boys are faithful today. Even through all the struggles that my wife went through physically early on, I, I, I think they're faithful because of her, not because of me. I was gone all the time. I was doing so much heavenly work, I was no earthly good, man. Absolutely no good. And I was good. Yes? I did. I did. But you know what? You know, now, but when they were little bitty, because we were we were converted when Paul when Mark was eight, and Kevin was was five, and Paul was was just she she was eight months pregnant, so he got kind of baptized by proxy. <laughs> you know, anyway, but you know it it was you know and in those early years, you know after Booty got a hold of me, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much gone all the time. I'm doing stuff all the time, and I was and I just it was her that was doing it, you know. And and I and I applaud her and I applaud you ladies for doing that because because in many instances you guys you guys saved the ship. You kept the ship afloat while the rest while us guys were trying to find the leaks. <laughs> you know, we were trying to plug the holes in the boat and you were keeping the boat afloat. So I, I applaud you. So y'all were fishing. Huh? Y'all were fishing. Yeah, we were fishing. I was hunting. I was hunting I was hunting or working. What I was doing. But guys, I'm i you know, I, I really I really struggle with this text. Because I wanted to make sure it came across right, you know. I think you guys are are, are privileged to study with and teach because because I think for the most part you got it, you understand, and y'all made this text a lot easier. You made this class a lot easier to teach, and I thank you for that. So next week we're going to talk about leadership and eldership. So chapter chapter three, we're going to be in chapter three, and uh, and that will be a, that will be a tough one too. All right, we'll see you next week, guys. Thanks. <laughs> It's the only day.